Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Dreams, and today I'm talking to Seven Volpone. He's the founder and managing partner of SubNation, a company that helps non-endemic brands with esports activations. Seven, thanks for joining me today. Hey, it's great to speak with you, man. Thanks for having me. Really excited to talk to Seven about some of their work with really cool companies like Marvel, DC, and Volkswagen, uh, the role of non-endemic brands in esports, and his past history, which took him to a lot of different industries and how they relate to the esports industry. So to get it started, Seven, I want to just ask you, for people who aren't familiar with Subnation, what's the elevator pitch? What do you guys do? Sure. Subnation is is really about gamers first. We're here to um, protect and and propel the uh, culture and lifestyle of, of gaming and esports. Well, that was the first elevator pitch I've ever gotten that actually would fit in an elevator. <laughs> So let's run through some of the activations you've done to help give people an idea. Uh, so for Marvel and Volkswagen, you brought the Jetta to E3 and you had Marvel artists create a living art installation. What does that mean? What's a living art installation? Yeah, you know, so 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 the the, the trick is, and, and when I when I when I give that elevator pitch, it really comes down to you know authenticity and integrity. Um, and, you know, being at ESL uh, for, for some years and, and part of my mandate being to help be, build out the non-endemic, you know, brand strategy, um, the the thing that we saw early on with a lot of brands coming in and wanting to put a logo somewhere or, or put in a lower third. And, you know, when you're gaming, you don't want to be interrupted by a logo. You don't want a brand to be forcing a product to you. And and it took a long time for the esports you know, community to 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 really get its due and to evolve. And now that it's become popular and brands want to play in the space, our our job is to kind of help curate that experience so that for the end user, they're they're getting something out of it. They're not just getting an ad. So in in in, in the instance of 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 what we did with Volkswagen at E3, you know, um, Volkswagen has an amazing brand, um, and and they've been around for for quite some time, and they had some incredible integrations with music in the past, and and this was really their first foray into esports, and um, part of our our objective is to create a safe landing uh, for them within the community, um, and you know, when we first sat with their brand team, you know, it was a lot of conversation of, you know, let's put up banners and, you know, let's have a Volkswagen, you know, experience. And, and, you know, we put some thinking together and, and decided it would be best if the car showed up as a canvas, let's white out the car and have it be a canvas. And then let's bring in Marvel and Marvel brought in one of their leading artists who paints Spider-Man and Captain Marvel. Um, and, and over, you know, a day period, he created a work of art out of the car. And so the art, the car became a backdrop as people were walking through the show floor. I think we had 70,000 in attendance that year. People were stopping by and taking pictures of the car and taking their pictures with the artist and hashtagging Volkswagen. And for them, it wasn't an ad. It was an experience. And 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 it became one of Volkswagen's uh, highly, most highly uh, socially active uh, campaigns that they that they've had, I, I believe, in the history of the company. Yeah, you bring up a really cool point about the esports and gaming world is that the audience is not used to a lot of brands on the platform. Now that's absolutely changing, but it was a negative for a lot of brands as they just slapped the logo on it. And those logos were blatantly obvious as they were pretty new to the placement of where they were. And esports fans reacted poorly. But on the flip side of that, 
when brands actually came into the esports and gaming world and they showed they understood it and they had cool ways of uplifting and and connecting with the esports audience they were beloved in a way that brands in other industries never really got that success so it's a really cool two sides of the coin where if a brand comes in and does it well it's really good but if a brand doesn't do much they end up falling really flat on their face so you're 100% right and 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 what i what i see here is the difference between esports and like the NFL is that you know you have a highly connected audience you know the NFL doesn't really know what team someone's rooting for from behind a television screen but everything in the esports is digital this is a highly technically savvy audience and so if they don't like what they're seeing, they're instantly on Reddit and all these underground sites and they're talking about it and their opinions matter. Their voices are heard instantly and that starts to resonate. And people are paying attention to those opinions because it's from their peers. And so if you make a bad move, it's like stepping into a minefield. And for a brand, you know, um, that, that's a very dangerous thing to do when, when you're when you're launching something in an area with an audience you're not really familiar with. So based on our, you know, our company, our, our founders history, um, you know, being in esports for for over 20 years, um, the the understanding of that audience is 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 something that we take great pride in. But all, we really instead of taking it from a brand perspective and in, in and we're taking it from the end user's perspective. How do we enhance the gamer's experience? And we look at everything through that lens. And since we know how to talk to this audience, um, we're not only creating live event experiences, but we're creating content for them. And, you know, we, ju we just finished a show called Level Up, um, which uh, we did in partnership with uh, IMGN that has a, a, a Instagram channel called Try Hard. And really it was a surprise and delight show. And, and we found, you know, gamers who were playing on their dad's old laptop or they didn't have the right video card to play the next level of the game that they wanted. And we went in and we gave them makeovers for their gaming centers, you know. And there were some really great brands like Vizio or, or Respawn and Razer who, who – participated with us um, to contribute to giving them a really incredible experience. And, and when I go back and I look at the the, the reveals of, of, of the six episodes that we did and the expressions on the gamers' faces when they walk back into their room, they're getting something out of it. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to enhance their, their life. And the brands that participated in it got really good love for, for helping to elevate the gamer experience. Yeah, that's it's so important and so cool to see the response that brands get when they do smart things like that uh, with Subnation's help, of course. I want to roll back a little bit to the you mentioned Reddit and how people respond to ads. I think that's something that's really unique in the esports and gaming space is that when a game goes to a commercial or the casters are on the desk and there's an ad placement there, sometimes Twitch chat is more active during those during the brand heavy portion than they are during the actual game because they're not tuning away like if in the nfl you can assume once it goes to a commercial break uh you know what per some percentage of your audience is flipping the channel they're getting up they're not watching they're not paying any attention they're on their phones and in twitch chat it actually feels like that communal aspect of it is building the brand recognition either for good or for bad. I remember watching a Hearthstone competition right when I was getting into this space and they had brisk, these giant bottles of brisk on the counter, on the caster's desk. 
and you know brisk colors they're neon colors and the hashtag that twitch created was take the risk drink the brisk and they were just spamming it the entire time and i was waiting for brisk to to do something to do something social and eventually one of the casters uh just started chugging it and then brisk tweeted it out and they got a ton of engagement but I was just like, this is, but if they hadn't done that, I think that would have been a negative. If the caster hadn't taken that initiative and they right. hadn't flipped it and brought it to themselves, they would have basically been saying that drinking your drink is a risk. And they, they would just be spamming that. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, and that's a perfect example, you know. And and look, no, nothing in nothing in life is 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 perfect. I mean, everybody has the best intentions in mind, you know. Brands want to sell products, gamers want to just game, you know. And 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 they 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 don't mind a brand being involved, but it really needs to be about, you know, how do you make things better for me? Yeah, we wouldn't have the Super Bowl if a brand didn't pay for it. We probably wouldn't have any concerts and festivals. I mean, it's it, television shows. It, it's an it's a very very important part of our ecosystem that a lot of people don't understand the importance and the relevance of having a brand support. Because without that brand support, we wouldn't have some of the great content and experiences that we have. But but really, it's it's about you know curating that 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 voice for the brand. Uh, in, in, in meaningful in meaningful ways and, and really trying your best to do something different other than just slap up a logo or rinse and repeat something. Uh, one, one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm most proud of is, you know, in DreamHack um, in, in 2018, at the end of 2018, we, um, we were in Atlanta with them and uh, we had the great opportunity to bring Red Hat uh, into the space. And Red Hat's just an amazing company. Uh, when, when we were working with them, uh, they were just purchased by, you know, IBM for a tremendous amount of, of, of money. And they, they've kind of been, you know, um, a ghost because they're running on people's servers. They're running in the backdrop. A lot of people don't know they're there, but they're, they're everywhere. And so we wanted to do something special with Red Hat at DreamHack. And, and, and if you're familiar with DreamHack, it's a really awesome event. Um, and, and kids will literally bring their own computers. You know, they're waiting online for hours because, you know, you think about a security check when you got a PC and a whole box of wires and cables and things with you, it's a much more, um, uh, arduous period than just buying a ticket and going into an event. And they walk in and traditionally you would just show up and there'd be long folding tables, just wooden folding tables with, with folding chairs. And, and you would buy a spot at a, at a, at a table. And, you know, our team, uh, one of our managing directors, Ed Tomasi, who's also at ESL, had this really amazing idea and collaborated with, uh, with, with Red Hat, where we put a red light up at the top of, 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 of a few tables. And down on, on, on the wooden tables, when people showed up, there was a red velvet um, uh, cloth on top of the table. And there were these really unbelievable Maxnomic chairs. Maxnomic made some unbelievable customized Red Hat chairs for us. And, and when people showed up to this area, they were like, wait, what is this? What is this chair? How come I'm sitting in this luxury section when everybody else is? No reason. It was random selection. But when the kids sat down, they were like, wow, I've got this great gaming chair. I've got this incredible setup in front of me. And then the folks from Red Hat came over and said, oh, guess what? You get to take this chair and all of these cool things on the side home with you. And the kids were like, what? 
Are you kidding me? I get I get to keep this, and and it became a really incredible you know surprise and delight for the fans. And then we also you know we simply just set up like a, a Red Hat self help desk because a lot of people are checking you know clicking in their their equipment. They've got connection issues, and Red Hat was really there just to service them. And and we did nothing more than actually give back to the community. And 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 it's those type of things that 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 are meaningful and, and those those fans will will never forget that experience. Yeah, you mentioned giving back to the community and I think it brought up a parallel to me. I was watching college football last weekend as I do almost every weekend and at halftime they did the Dr. Pepper scholarship thing where you have to throw a football in and it's a competition, you get $10,000 and the social media response to it wasn't great from what I saw. So I'm curious why you think that the esports audience is so receptive to when brands give back, they welcome them in, they love them. And Dr. Pepper is doing an objectively good thing by giving a student a scholarship. But it seems like in the traditional sports world, maybe it's just been saturated, maybe it just happened too much, but it doesn't seem to have the same positive connotation that those same sort of give backs do have in the esports and gaming world. Well, you know, I, I I think there's there's multiple factors in 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 that. One is that you know, yeah, in sports, it, traditional sports, so much has already been done. I I almost feel like the end user, a lot of ways, is they look right past the brand. They almost don't even see it. Um, and and so, uh, and, um, you know, with that, uh. Th- the brands that are are getting involved in 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 esports, the the audience is newer to it. But overall, you know, not only in esports, but in in regular sports and and even in physical retail, right? Um, in content, uh, there's a big shift going on, and and it's really about human experience. Um, and 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 people are realizing that that you're. Right now, because there's so much content, there's so many events, there's so many experiences, there's so many options for someone to spend their time on that, you know, when you're not focused on enhancing that human experience, you're, you're kind of missing you're kind of missing the mark. Um, and, and so uh, every marketer right now, even if you look at what MasterCard, you know, is saying, it's like, look, we're, we're, we're taking all our, 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 our dollars and really focusing on this, this, this this human experience. And, and that could be something like the Museum of Ice Cream, right? The Museum of Ice Cream was an incredible ph- phenomenon. People showed up, they took pictures, they, 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 they got something emotionally out of it, they got something artistically out of it, and, and they left feeling like they, they, you know, they were a part of something that they experienced. And so creating moments like that at sporting events, at live events, that where you're tapping into the culture is really the brand's uh, I, I think sweet spot for connecting, connecting with the end user. Yeah, that that is the, the key of it, right? It's that connecting doesn't giving away something is great, but what really shows is that you're giving away things that matter to these people, like the the people you're giving gaming setups to. This is something that you've done a little bit of research and you've realized what this person really wants right now, and you're delivering them that, and that gives that really authentic. Uh, reaction that the brand is looking for when they get that thing that they really want and a brand helped it it's good all around right so when you're building out an esports based activation or a gaming activation uh something in the space 
obviously things are going to be different based on what brand it is, uh, what the game is, what the event is. But what are some of the core goals you're trying to accomplish every single time you build an activation for a brand? Sure. Uh, you know, we, we try and be as bespoke as possible, um, really trying to understand the brand, the brand's values, and then where that aligns with um, how we ex enhance the experience for the gamer. Um, so we're looking at, you know, the needs of both sides and then coming up with uh, with with a new way to to try and express that or or execute it. Um, we, we just did something cool. You know, we're, we're partners with. Um, uh, Kevin Lyman and, uh, and and a really great team, some of our old uh, esports partners at ESL on, on something called Player Omega, which is, you know, Kevin Lyman did the Warp Tour and this is kind of a an esports lifestyle festival and Subnation is is really uh, the cultural activist in the, in, in the midst of it. And, we, you know, we just did a beta event um, uh, in Pomona, California. We'll have 10 events next year. And, and one of the really cool things that we did that I was just very proud of was um, we created something called Mod Garage, and and, and we whited out this um, this this workshop. It's an artistic workshop, and we brought in this amazing girl um, who who is called the King of Sneakers, and and we had DC Shoes there, and and DC Shoes gave us some great sneakers, right? And so it's like, okay, we got sneakers, we got an artist. How do we how do we create something that's that's just meaningful? And so what we started to do was we had. Um, our customized artists start to curate all the games that were being played at the festival into sneakers. So creating works of art out of every sneaker. And people were just lined up staring at the work that she was doing. And, and, and fans were like, hey, how do I get a pair of those? And, and we were, you know, you know, surprising and delight, giving out pairs of sneakers to people. That's my favorite game. I love that game, you know, or we got so many orders afterwards for people who wanted to connect with it because, you know, it's it's really about creating these cultural moments. And now all of a sudden, here we're taking a piece of culture, which is art and esports and gaming and sneaker culture, and we're marrying them together. But out of it comes content. And, and you know, we had cameras on that experience of her talking about the shoes and making the shoes live. And now all of a sudden, you know, that is being moved into a, into a program. And, and so out of, out of curating the right opportunity at the right event in the right way for the right audience, now it has multiple uses. It's a live experience, but it's also a piece of, 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 of television content or VOD content or streamed content, you know, that we'll be able to package where brands can take a, a deeper ride, but also the fan can, can you know, it, 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 there's an experience of watching it be made. I want to see the before, I want to see the after, or I want to learn how to do that for myself. I, I'm going to get some paint and paint on my own shoes, right? So, you know, it's all about gaming because we're, we're, we're putting gaming art on the sneakers. Uh, but it's those type of, it's that type of thinking that goes into every activation that, that, that we do. Definitely. Yeah. The sneaker culture in esports is something massive. There's a crazy amount of sneakerheads. I'm a sneakerhead myself, but I grew up in Portland, Oregon, which is literally a sneaker capital of the US. And it's, but you go around and you see all these different influences and the people on stage are rocking sneakers. Usually it's the one thing they can customize out of their, their jersey is their sneakers. Uh, you see some new partnerships like 100 Thieves with Nike uh, doing unique sneakers, Adidas partnering with Vitality to do some sneakers. I think it was Vitality. Uh, they've partnered with a couple esports organizations. Yes, it, uh, stuff like this, yes, it was. Customs things with Overwatch characters uh, in sneakers. So it, it really shows a connection to that esports audience to be like, hey, we know 
you care about this aspect of fashion and we want to deliver the characters you care about in a way that's really cool to you and connects to you. So again, it's all about knowing your audience there. Yeah. And when I was at ESL, you know, this is 2014 and 15. I, you know, I was, I was going to Germany uh, to meet with Adidas in their futures division and talk about the importance of what esports culture was going to do and how this was a really big focus. And uh, my partner and co-founder, Doug Scott, who's just, you know, a really brilliant uh, marketer and strategist. And, and, and uh, you know, he, he actually was a part of the, the team that put together the Nike League, League of Legends deal. And, um, and, and, and the sneaker market is, is, it's, you know, you look at companies like StockX and, and, and you look at the history of, of the resale, the limited edition sneaker market is just, you know, it's incredible. But these are the same kids that are standing online for a limited edition Supreme sweatshirt or, you know, to walk into a store to get a pair of kicks that they don't even care what size it is. They're just grabbing it off the shelf because the minute they walk out the door, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's worth more money. This is... This is the same audience. This is the same gaming audience. And 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 I think where brands are starting to realize, and, and this is where we have been for many years trying to educate, um, is is that these cultures are completely connected. And so what we do from a subnation standpoint is we touch esports and gaming from a cultural lens. So we're we're interested in esports and music, where where any music artist that's touching esports and gaming and is authentic. That, that covers us in the music. We're interested in comic book culture where it touches gaming, right? And there are many games like Spider-Man that touches comic books and Avengers and other areas. And then, you know, uh, music. Uh, well, well, I'm sorry, I mentioned music, but but technology and sneakers and fashion. And and so we're, we're when the gamer puts their controller down, what are their cultural in- interests? And Subnation really highlights and activates and curates the best Live experiences, the best content, um, and and and, uh, and and even you know working with um, municipalities like the city of Raleigh, which is in North Carolina, right where the right where Epic is, you know mm-hmm. the 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 birthplace of Fortnite, one of the biggest games in the world, and and you know when we got involved with them, the conversation was how how do we activate this city? We should be in esports and gaming, being that Epic and and, and Fortnite are here. And so uh, we engaged in a partnership with them uh, last year, and uh, we successfully were able to bring a Rainbow Six tournament to them, uh, which, you know, Forbes wrote a great article about the economic impact and development. Um, and, and that was just really a building block for what we're going to be doing in the city of Raleigh. Um, and as a result now, you know, we're speaking to, you know, major retail developers and 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 other municipalities uh, because this connected world, this physical to digital world, and this is where brands are living right now. You know, it, it, it is this physical to digital space and really no other sport in the world touches that the way the esports and gaming does. And, 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 and so when you tap into that physical to digital opportunity and you tap, tap into the brand's opportunity to help empower communities and, 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 and experiences and content and in order to, to create affinity with the audience that they want to reach. And then you, you, you couple in with that, you know, these, these connected cities of the future um, and, and what New York and, and Los Angeles and Chicago and, and North Carolina are trying to do. There's just there's a massive opportunity right now for both brands and, and end users and, and cities to, to connect through the gaming and, and, and esports uh, vertical. 
Definitely. I remember when that Raleigh report came out, I, I just pulled it up real quick while you were talking. It was $1.45 million in direct economic impact for Greater Raleigh. Uh, over 1,000 job inquiries, I have to assume almost entirely at Epic Games, uh, attracting more than 2,600 daily attendees and 70% traveling from other states to the Raleigh area. It really put the country, I knew North Carolina, or I knew, uh, yeah, Epic was based in North Carolina somewhere, but I didn't really think of Raleigh as an esports city until that major came out. And I was like, oh, there's a big opportunity here. And I think right now is the perfect time for cities to announce that they want to be involved in esports, to welcome esports, because you see how it happened in uh, Katowice, Poland. They actually jumped on it really early by being like, yeah, IEM, come on in here, hold your major event. And so a town that is not very huge, it's not a super international city, it's uh, in Europe at least, and it's now welcomed one of the biggest esports tournaments of anywhere every single year that brings in tons of money and they jumped on that really early but there's still plenty of opportunity for u.s cities to become regular hosts of esports tournaments uh, and now is really the time to do it because that window will close pretty quickly as dallas and las vegas and la and new york continue to build up arenas to host esports events if you want to become one of those premier esports cities in the u.s now's the time to do it well, you know that that's another area where we're we're finding um, a lot of strength in our consultancy. Um, even working with really great companies like Populous, you know, um, you can build a venue, um, but how do you curate it, right? And the the mistake that a lot of people are making is, I'm, I'm going to build an esports arena and people are going to show up. And that's not true. You know, um, you know, the, the way we did it in Raleigh was to start with something small that we can build and grow from to think that you can program, you know, Katowice is programmed once a year, you know, for 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 something that happens in March. And it went from one really strong weekend to two powerful weekends. Right. Uh, but it's not programmed all throughout the entire entire year with esports uh, events. And so, you know, the, the the ability to curate the culture of esports, the culture of gaming, you know, is there a fashion week that's coming in there? Is there music related to gaming? Are there STEM programs for local, you know, high schools and, and colleges are, you know, is, you know, how are you integrating this into those venues and into those experiences? is a really important part of the success because you look at things that happened, you know, um, in Las Vegas with a music festival that just happened where they thought, wow, we can just show up and throw esports on it and get some of the biggest artists in the world and we're going to be a success. Well, at the end of the day, you know, they didn't, couldn't sell any tickets and they had to close down. Right. And, and so, you know, you also have the, you know, the arena there in Vegas, which, which struggles. It does, it's not, it's not, you know, profitable all the time. It's not full, full all the time. They've done some amazing things there. Um, but to have that consistency, you really need to be, have a thoughtful built out plan on how you curate that. And it can be done, you know, um, and it is being done. It's just a matter of how you do it. Yeah, certainly. So that festival for people who aren't familiar is Metarama. Uh, it had people like Marshmallow, Logic, Snoop Dogg, who were going to be there, supposedly, and uh, September, they announced it is canceled, not going to be held. Uh, lack of interest, lack of marketing, who knows why exactly. Probably those two things played a big role in it. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a good point, is that in this sweep of, hey, let's do esports, a lot of places aren't doing it correctly. 
And it's really important to understand the space if you want to be successful in it. I think looking at 2020, the biggest story is going to be uh, the Activision Blizzard leagues, the Call of Duty and the Overwatch League hitting the road, going to all these cities, some of them that have never really hosted a major esports event before. And now suddenly they're going to welcome a very established league to their city. And we're going to see some massive successes for sure. And we're also going to see some failures for cities that don't prepare adequately, that aren't ready for the undertaking they're about to do, that don't get the right venue. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see how the U.S. infrastructure and for the Overwatch League, the global infrastructure of these different cities uh, prepares and welcomes in esports as they really go on this uh this tour all throughout 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, overall, it's a super exciting time, uh, you know, as watching, you know, my partner and 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 dear friend Ed Tomasi for for years. I, I remember when they were, you know, when when he and Han Park and Craig Levine had ESS, they were really the first agency for esports in North America, which eventually became ESL North America. And I remember when they were just in like little hotel lobbies, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're in arenas and stadiums and 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 the the, the long hours and the hard work and um, the 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 struggle that went into those real founding fathers to building this, you know, um, into what it is today. Uh, it, it's amazing what went into it. And 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 for me. Uh, it, it's really important to to try and protect that, you know, and and um, and and when I say protect that, I mean we have to be thoughtful about what we're doing. You know, we have a responsibility um, as people who know. You know, I, I always say it's like you know Babel, where you'd show up and one person speaks Hebrew and another person speaks Arab and another person speaks French and someone else speaks Chinese and and no one's really speaking the same language. We have, you know, uh, the good fortune of of really speaking esports and speaking gaming and speaking brand and marketing and speaking live event and activation and and so when, when we're talking to different people, whether it's brands or agencies or or you know uh, publishers or, or or trade shows or, or or whoever it is that we're activating for, we can speak everybody's language in a way where we understand what it takes. And the most important language we speak is the is the end user, the gamer. You know the the. We, we, we know how to talk to that audience and and we're really trying to have their voice be heard inside these activations. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to switch gears a little bit. You have a long history in a wide variety of different industries, uh, started in music. You've done work in entertainment and in sports. So I'm curious. I love to talk to people who have uh, such a really experienced, well-traveled people in business. How does the esports industry compared to some of the other industries you've worked in? Do you draw some parallels from your time in other industries that you can apply to esports? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I had I, I had the good fortune of being in the music business. Um, you know, I was a recording artist on Atlantic Records, and, and I was... I was there when the AOL merger happened, AOL Time Warner, um, and when Napster came out, which really was a precursor to everything that's happening today because you have technology which disrupted an industry, right? So whenever there's disruption, there's opportunity. In in those days, it was, okay, CDs were being sold, and all of a sudden Napster came along, and, and music is digital, and, and I don't need to make a CD, and somebody's going to listen to the music anyway, right? So it's created this whole streaming concept, right? And then Twitch comes along and Twitch disrupts the television model, 
right? Which is another industry that I, you know, I was involved in. Um, and, and it's really amazing because brands, you know, are, are following all of those different areas of where they put their dollars and how they, how they integrate. And I think the super most incredible, exciting thing that, that esports and gaming has above any other thing that I've seen so far is that we're living in a world where we can go directly to the consumer. Yeah. So everything is connected. You know, you're gaming, you're, you're in an IP e ecosystem, your IP address is there. You're connected to some type of a server. I can reach you if you're on Twitch, you know, I can, I can send you a message. They have technologies like Maestro, which, do, which have overlays where, you know, you, you can correspond right back and forth with someone. They can show up into a page and because you know that they're a, a League of Legends fan over something else, you can customize the way the, the frame looks. And if I could watch TV and, you know, I had a Dallas Cowboy, uh, page show up on the TV because it knew I was a fan. You know what I mean? They, you just don't have that experience in, in linear television that you have here. And so for brands and for advertisers and for the end user, I mean, if you can really embrace how data and direct connectedness could actually enhance your life. And I know a lot of people are afraid of it, but this, you know, the new generation of gamers has fully embraced it. They're completely locked in. They're completely online all the time. And and they're not only gaming, but as they're gaming, they've got another laptop up because they're they're looking at data that they need and they're on a headset talking to somebody else. They're multitasking in three different mediums. And 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 even though that's complicated and complex for the way traditional brands, you know, used to work, it it is, I think, an unbelievable thing that esports and gaming has above anyone else. And I think as time goes by, you're you're going to see that it's going to be an integral part of everything, you know, whether it's, you know, soccer and FIFA, right? And, and what's happening there between, you know, brands being involved with a soccer team and now they're involved with their esports soccer team and, and the connectivity of the esports soccer team maybe even carrying more weight than the actual soccer team. Or, or, or it, it, is it NASCAR and gaming? I mean, it's just data and connectivity and really what gaming is, is it's community, right? You get online, you're playing with your friends and you're connecting with somebody. If you're a fan of a college football team and you're just watching it at home in your living room, but now if you're plugged in and you're online and you're in your headset and you're, you know, it just gives people a better chance to connect. I really do think that gaming is replacing what the mall used to be for, for kids. You'd get off school and then you'd go to the mall and you'd hang out with people. You'd go into random shops, maybe not even buy anything, but now Kids are just getting online and Steam is basically or Xbox Live or whatever platform you want to use uh, is the mall. It's where they hang out. They get on and they're like, hey, do you want to go check out Fortnite for a while or we can go play GTA online together? Something like that. And all these different times, it's this place, this social atmosphere where it's gaming isn't just a, a small subset of the culture. Now, if you like you mentioned, these kids who are born in this digital age, they don't have a choice. They're, they are primarily plugged in and that is their life. And they were born with it in a way that it's crazy to see what some of these kids can do. They're just constantly doing three different things at once. And they're really good. Like I have a cousin who's 13 years old, the best use of Photoshop I've ever seen. I'm like, how do you, when do you learn how to do this? I don't, I don't get it. And they just, they're, they're, these online things just come so naturally to them. So yeah, that, that age of consumer 
and knowing who all these consumers are for a brand, you have to be pretty stoked about always being able to reach uh, almost exactly who you want to reach and gaming being a great conduit for that. That's right. And, and, you know, the thing is that the more time you spend online, the more time you're, you're wrapped up in your technology, the more need that you're going to have to breathe every once in a while. And when you breathe, you're going to want to walk out and be in an experience. And, and really, that's the world that we're living in. It's like I create my own environment. I'm in my own data. I'm in my own content. I'm in my own social, uh, you know, and, and, and where am I going to go when I have to go out and pick and choose where I'm going to spend my time physically with people physically? That's, that's where the other enhanced human experience comes in. And, and, and it needs to be elevated because you really want to give people a place to go to unwind, relax and, 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 and get, get more with the little time that they have. Yeah, for sure. So I'm curious for your thoughts. You've obviously seen a lot of different changes in different industries. What are some changes you think are coming to esports soon? What are some things that the esports industry as a whole uh, either needs to be doing or you're already seeing uh, start to happen that you think is a good change or a bad change for the industry going forward? It's a good question. Um, you know, I... I, I think you're going to see really, you know, I don't know if it's good or if it's bad, but I, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, betting happening around, you know, esports. Absolutely. Uh, the more, the more that sports, you know, is on the rise. There's a lot of people looking to take advantage of, of, of that. Um, I think that uh, there are definitely technologies that are coming out of esports that will enhance uh, the way that we communicate and talk in, in, in other industries um, that I think can, uh, enhance that the way that we, you know, just overall communicate. Um, and, uh, I, th I think esports as a whole, it, it, I, I see things all, you know, from an investment standpoint and from a, you know, a, um, I guess building the subnation brand standpoint, uh, we see new technologies, all the time, whether it's OTTs or, you know, streaming platforms or, uh, like I said, you know, betting apps. Um, and I, th I think the risk is, and, and it's not really a risk. I mean, this happens with anything. It happened with the dot-com business in, in some areas that everybody now wants to be in the esports space and everybody is rushing out to do things. And, and, um, and that's, great because there's some really good ideas out of there, but there's a lot of white noise. And I would say, you know, the good news is that some, some great technologies will come out of it. The bad noise is, uh, the bad noise is that, you know, for brands and investors and cities who don't really know uh, the, the ins and outs of the esports business, they, they can be um, distracted uh, by, by things that don't really, uh, that aren't going to hold up. And, and so, uh, but you know, this is just a part of, of everything that's out there and, and, and it's something you can't stop. Um, but it just, uh, it, it, it's, it's just a part of the way that life goes when there's something new and shiny and fresh, you look at the cannabis industry and how many people rushed into the cannabis industry. I was about to bring or, that up actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it just, people rush in, but you know, it, it, I think that's where it's really important for brands and investors and cities to take pause and 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 to say okay let, let me see what alternatives are out there and let me make sure i know what i'm getting into before i get into it 
Yeah, the, it's funny you bring up the cannabis industry because I'm in an area of the world in Southern Oregon that is uh, right dealing with the uh, the over excess of people rushing into the cannabis industry. We saw a bunch of people move to the area, uh, create farms. I have a hemp farm not even half a mile from my house that rotted because they did not have all the things they needed to distribute and to they just planted a bunch of hemp and then they weren't able to harvest it in time. They didn't have the distrib- distribution set up. They didn't have uh, the legal things that go into having to uh, to manufacture and then ship hemp to different places. And we saw just wide fields of hemp replacing other crops that were really important that just went to waste because so much money came into to the cannabis industry down here. And there was not enough of the the research, the logistics. How is this actually going to work? It's like, oh, we can grow this here. It grows great here. Let's just grow a bunch of it and then we'll figure it out. And shockingly, that was not a successful strategy. <laughs> um, so I, I, it's, a, it's a good comparison. Uh, Bitcoin is another thing where a bunch of people just got into it and an actual opportunity was overinflated and then a bubble popped and it crashed back to earth. And there's a little bit of a worry that esports is going to go through something similar. But ultimately, I think esports has uh, gamers aren't going away. Competitive gaming is not going to go away. And even if things get overinflated, uh, the growth rate for esports is going to stay steady as more and more people are digital, as more people are born with esports as a core facet of their being. Uh, it will be. Esports is always going to keep growing. I think the cannabis industry will weather it as well, and I'm hopeful for Bitcoin. But it's, yeah, the the initial investment, the rush to invest is almost always, uh, a gold rush doesn't always make the millionaires you'd expect it to. The cannabis industry comes along, you know, uh, you know you've got the dot-com business, whatever it is, it's like a gold rush people run in. And, and the reason that we, you know, at Subnation, chose Subnation to be involved in. We're, you know, we're people who know the esports world. We know the branding world. We know the live event world and the television world, right? We chose Subnation as our platform because we felt that it was a safe haven for us and for brands and for 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 the end user. And what I mean by that is that um, you can be involved with 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 Subnation and be involved with League of Legends or Apex or or you know Madden football because those are all different audiences and if a brand comes in and just makes a bet on League of Legends the people in the Madden world don't really play League of Legends right it's a different audience so um, you're speaking to two different completely different people and i always make this analogy in 1989 you had hair metal and then comes 1990 you got grunge music and hair metal is dead but MTV is still alive cuz MTV is just following the very best of what's happening in the culture of music and that's the that's the position that we're taking with Subnation is to curate the very best content, live experiences, and products that that are taking place in in the gaming and esports space. And therefore, you know, when when we work with brands, uh, a, a brand can be in an ESL event, or it can be at a League of Legends event, it can be at E3, um, it could be at the Grammys because we're we're you know even involved with you know being being involved with a fashion week or the Grammys, we'd be taking gaming in through a cultural lens instead of just you know focusing on it, the music aspect of it or the fashion aspect of it, and and uh, I think that's that's a great opportunity uh, that we saw in in why we wanted to develop Subnation. 
insulating yourself from from the risk of the different things that esports are going to rise and then they're going to fall away. Uh, Fortnite was never going to continue its its ascension. It'll remain a popular game for a long time, but the to uh, to maintain the popularity it had a year ago at this time would be, would have been impossible. And so, by positioning your company in a place that it can work in a wide variety of games and the different experiences, uh, you're insulated from that risk of a different game. And you basically are like, this space is always going to be here. It's going to keep growing as a whole. And we're going to be able to connect with brands uh, across the space. Absolutely. And the other thing, you know, that we saw a lot of people do early on is I'm going to get a camera and we're going to follow a team. I want to see what's happening inside the house of a team. And everybody's trying to be the ESPN of, you know, of of esports and gaming. And there's only so much of that you can watch because, you know, even watching in in esports competition or watching a live stream is there's a lot of data coming at you, you know, and so the programming that we have been building and we've built a pretty robust programming slate um, and, and, you know, Twitch caffeine and, 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 and other sources, you know, that, you know, we're, we're currently working with at the moment. And, and just like with level up, it's, it's, things that if you're a gamer, you're into it, you're getting something out of it. But you also, you could be a casual gamer or a mobile gamer, which is really on the rise, right? And and you still want to be affiliated with gaming. And the difference is, you know, it's like the NFL, not everybody's going to play in the NFL, but a lot of people go outside and play two hand touch, right? And so mobile gaming is two hand touch, you know, a, a pro esports guys playing in the NFL, but they all enjoy the sport. And so making content that is not just so narrow focused because somebody on the fringe doesn't want to just watch an esports team, you know, roam, roam around. And for a brand, that's limiting. Right. And so building compelling content that 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 works not only for for an authentic esports um professional or or an enthusiast or someone who wants to be a pro, but also for for the mobile gamer as well. Um there's a much bigger audience there. And if you look at the numbers, you know, there's a one, esports is a $1.8 billion business. Gaming is a $185 billion business, right? And 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 so, you know, that audience say, uh, is much bigger. Two Hand Touch is the the one that drives all the money. So you have, you have the NFL and Two Hand Touch, except the revenue in Two Hand Touch is sky high and the revenue in the NFL is uh, very low comparatively. Yeah, because it's those are the people who buy the T-shirts and, and, and they're there for their experience, you know, and they get something out of it because they want to show up and they want to watch and they want to be, you know, the next wide receiver when they're a kid. And, and, and here, you know, I have a 13-year-old son and, you know, it's it's a tough argument to say, hey, man, put your controller down for a little while. He's like, hey, I could get a scholarship for this, dad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're in that business. I should just be playing games all the time. And um, and that's where that's really where you know uh, the 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 world is 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 moving and evolving to. Um, so it's really just about opportunities are really cool in the like I, I would caution a, a kid against being a pro gamer, but generally uh, the kids going to college to play video games aren't on a path to be pro always, just because right. of the age ranges of uh, college players versus traditional esports pros who can often start at 16, 17 years old. But this fact that they can get scholarships off of it actually means that there's going to be this whole amateur uh, scene of people who are really good at games, but not the top level, which is actually a pretty attainable goal for a lot of kids. So I, I think that scholarship thing is going to be really, it's going to be hard to, to detract kids from 
shooting for those scholarships because it is a legitimate opportunity for him. You know, it is. And, you know, uh, you know, oddly enough, we're working with uh, with a college right now. Um, and, and, you know, traditionally you have an AV program where people would go and learn audio visual um, uh, jobs. And and now, you know, it's it's how can we help people learn what careers there are in esports and gaming? Uh, right now, we're working with the Singaporean government in the same uh, capacity of you know, how do we help their, their local businesses build esports businesses and gaming businesses, right? And, and so, you know, when you get into production or you get into, you know, even e-commerce and digital, I mean, it's all connected through this, through this funnel. So there's a, there's a, there's a lot of opportunities for kids uh, who might want to have a career, you know, I, I think in, in this space. And, and if you're an expert in understanding how to connect with people, um, they're, there's always opportunities um, for you in the workplace. Yeah, that that is a really important thing too to tell kids. It's like you want to be a, a graphic artist, you want to code, you want to do uh, marketing, you want to do league events, league operations, uh, you want to do journalism, you want to be a podcast host. Like the esports and gaming world has opportunities across it for everybody, more than just being a gamer. So it, it's an important facet of it to game. But also uh, put yourself into some of the other aspects. Like when I was really deep into the Fortnite community for a while and the leaks, the the kids that would, I call them kids because they're 14, 15 years old, would go deep into the files and into the code bases, pulling things out using different tools that I have no idea how they work uh, to leak different Fortnite events that are coming up. And it was just like, wow, you have more knowledge about this at 14 than I will probably ever have. So it's cool to see that what the digital uh, generation can do when they really get down to it. Uh, so seven, that was all the time we had for this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to give you the last word. Uh, if you're a brand executive listening to this podcast, uh, tell them why they should hire Subnation for their next event. Um, because we know what we're talking about, you know, so, and, 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 and we care and we have the access both on the game publisher side and the, the live event side and the content side. Um, and I think it's worth, you know, just, there's a lot of great people out there. Um, but it's always worth having a conversation and, and Subnation is dedicated, uh, to the culture and lifestyle of gaming. And, uh, and, and a lot of times we've probably activated with your brand in some capacity already, um, through, through some of the other touch points that we have. Definitely. And I'll put some examples of their brand activations uh, down in the description of this podcast. So if you want to learn more about some of the work they do, you want a visual component of some of the things we've talked about here, check out that description. You can see some of the work Subnation has done in this space in the past. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week with another podcast. I'm not exactly sure. I believe it's going to be Arnold Herr from Gen G, the COO of Gen G. So you have that one to look forward to as well. But thank you so much for listening. This is the Esports Network Podcast, and I'm your host, Mitch Reeves.